Happy New Year and welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and I have with me a panel of guests uh, like we've had for the last uh, couple episodes. So we have Father Andy as usual. We have Jesse Spanigal from St. Jude Parish in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we have Brother Barnabas. How's it going, gentlemen? Yo, hey. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. And Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. This is true. Amen. So with this episode, last year we did a New Year's episode that we basically went over what happened in 2019, uh, some of the major highlights. And at the time, those included the uh, uh, McCarrick being laicized. Uh, We had the issue with the Covington kids in uh, in the March for Life. Uh, The Amazon Synod happened. The German Synod happened. And there was a Vatican financial scandal that broke. So... Uh, there were also some good things too, actually. There were some saints that were canonized, some people that were beatified, and a ton of people that entered the church. So this, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what happened this year, in t- or last year, I guess, in 2020, uh, as well as what we expect uh, from the church in 2021. This is, we're going to get a little creative here and, uh, and, and try to see if we can make good predictions. So at the end of the year for 2022, we'll go back and see if we uh, made good predictions. And then we'll wrap it up with some goals for the Encounter Mercy podcast. And uh, so I guess we'll start with what happened in 2020, guys, besides the pandemic. That's all we can focus on. Right. <laughs> what else did happen? I have no idea. It's all <laughs> No, but but seriously, the uh, the pandemic pretty much closed all public masses Throughout the world, I know throughout the U.S., I think there was a time, a brief time, where there were no public masses being said whatsoever, um, which was, you know, I don't, I can't remember, I don't think that's ever really ever happened, at least in the United States. Maybe the last flu, the big big flu pandemic in the nineteen eighteen or whatever. I'm not sure if that actually even happened then. I doubt it, but that was uh, historical. Yeah, you know, from a parish perspective, that really caught us off guard. Um, we've always had live stream here at the church um, since I've been here uh, for the homebound. And it's kind of been a nice ministry that we had um, already in place. Thank God we were kind of prepared to um, help bring uh, mass to the people in their homes. Um, one of the things that uh, we, you know, there's a lot of people, though, who don't have uh, Internet and uh, a lot of elderly and stuff like that. So, you know, one of the things that we did was... Um, uh, we called all our parishioners and just talked to them and see how they were doing. Uh, having that shutdown really blindsided a lot of churches. And uh, it was uh, I, it was kind of nice, of, too, because I think a lot of people got creative with um, how they can go out and reach people. Um, I just the main thing, I think there was a lot of people just hungry for the Eucharist, hung, hungry for communion um, that, you know, trying to find a way to, to get people communion was probably our main focus um, at first. Father Andy, uh, you were doing a lot of uh, live stream masses from your rectory. Yeah. Yeah. I had to uh, set up a chapel in the house um, for different reasons and um, set up a, you know, took one of the spare bedrooms on the second floor and turned it into a chapel so that I could celebrate mass every day. And um, from the beginning of the pandemic all the way through until July 1st, Actually, I think it was like July 4th. I was celebrating mass every day online at noon. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that was different. It was a strange Easter vigil, as we know, being that um, not just the vigil, but the entire of the Triduum, we didn't get to be in church together. So celebrating it in a cha- makeshift chapel in my house in an old bedroom is um, definitely not what I expected for my second Triduum as a priest, but uh, made it work. And it was still... Uh, uh, it was, you know, it still went on. Easter still happened. Um, so kind of like what I've been talking with people about how it's almost like, um, the Grinch and in the Grinch, he's complaining, you know, all this Christmas, I hate Christmas. Don't want Christmas to come. And, uh, so he goes and steals all everything of Christmas from the little Yoo-Hoo's down in Louisville. I don't remember the names. I, <laughs> I can't, I haven't watched that in years and I'm trying to remember it now. And of course I can't remember, but um, even after stealing everything about Christmas, you know, the story goes, uh, that wait a minute, Christmas still came without all its bells and without all of its, uh, noise and, 
Um, I think that's kind of like what we're dealing with now with Christmas and, and with this past Easter. Even though the world was at a standstill, Easter still came, Christmas is still coming and has already come now. What about you, Brother Barnabas? Did did the impact did that impact you guys at all in your monastery? Um, so the cool thing, I feel kind of bad. I was telling this to somebody the other day. You know, I guess um we have our uh, built-in kind of readiness, like in the same way uh, that Jesse was saying how they were blessed because they already were doing live stream uh, masses and they were ready for that. We have, are already doing like the cloister thing to a degree. <laughs> so it was kind of neat because we were able to, be, you know, kind of buck down and just be more brothers together. But, you know, our family bubble was pretty big, you know, like a hundred guys. So uh, it's, it was nerve wracking at different points and still can be. But um, really, we, you know, just me being blessed to actually live at a church and in community. Um, and we're, we were, St. Vincent, our monks are so, uh, we're very, very hospitable and always having people. So that was weird this past year, not having nearly as many people. But um, just like everything else, you know, I can't get out of a conversation with anybody without talking about the pandemic in some way or another but uh at least remembering for me trying to say things that are positive about it what such as you know uh just being more intentional with my phone calls or um spending more time with the the monks um just because we're we're together so and and i think the is yeah like, like you said trying to come up with something positive about it it's caused a lot of churches to kind of rethink the way that they they go about communicating with their parishioners and oh, yeah. in, in a good way, I think for sure. Um, yeah. I don't, I do not think we're going to go back to, you know, just like, Oh, well, okay. Now that's over. You know, I think there's a, there's going to be just good things that we're going to be able to implement back into our parish life, our church life, um, as well as some momentum we'll have to get back. I'm sure in other ways, uh, getting people to come back to mass, uh, and all that type of stuff. But Th- that's going to be a tough one. And that's something I think we can, we should ponder whenever we get to our, what's going to happen in 2021. But, but Jesse, yeah. do you want to kind of highlight some of the things? Cause you got, you, you were kind of like right in the center of this, uh, when this, all this hit and you, you guys really upped your game on social media at, at the parish when this all happened. And you want to talk a little bit to that? Yeah. I, I like, I like what brother Bonham has said. It's an opportunity to be more intentional and I think, you know, the days of people knocking on our doors at church are kind of over. We have to we have to go to them um, and be aggressive. I, I I think about the saints like they were aggressive with the, with the mission. They went out. The disciples went out. And that's kind of way our approach was was, OK, we're hamstring with the people, large masses coming to church. So how are we going to do things? So uh, definitely social media is a a huge um, um, uh, perspective that we, we, we took and how can we reach people? How can we, um, in anything from, you know, just doing, you, you know, we, we copy a lot of people on your podcast. We try to reach different demographics, um, different types of social media too. I mean, we even, we even set up a, uh, a TikTok, so we're going to, we're going to be exploring that. So it's, there's definitely some great opportunities out there. Uh, we did a pair of survey. A lot of people felt uh, comfortable in small groups. So we focused more our energy on small groups. So we created 10 new ministries, outdoor ministries, of course, a dad's group, a mom's group, uh, a teen Bible study with 10 limited people, just trying to meet people where they were. Um, and like I said, we had a lot of positive response, especially with the, the live stream masses. We, we have, we still have 200 to 250 people watch every one of our masses, um, uh, you know, four masses a weekend. And so in everything from live streaming adoration, which we did Friday. Um, so I think it's just getting creative and uh, not making excuses. I, I, uh, I'm really big on that. Nice. So, before we move on, does anybody else have anything on that topic? All right. So uh, another another big one that happened, this one was pretty recent, was the McCarrick report was finally released. Um, this was something that we've been waiting on for quite a while now, over a year. And uh, Father Andy, do you want to t- 
talk about this at all? Well, I think we, when we talk about this, we need to talk about it in the greater um, awareness of everything that has gone on. So, you know, we can go all the way back to the early 2000s when we had the scandal break in um, Boston. And then, of course, even a little bit more recent, just two years ago when we had the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report be released. And now this just adds more on to the top, um, you know. We had a issue where some of the higher ranking officials were and specifically one, the former Cardinal, Cardinal McCarrick, who, um, you know, was doing things that were inappropriate and very wrong and, and bad. And so finally, um, after some time, the Vatican stepped in and took care of the situation and investigated it. And so uh, the report was released and showed everything that he had did, uh, had done. and and um, it's it's another black mark on the church but i was you know i was talking about this with someone else recently um and i think that the difference is that the church isn't hiding from it is that the church is recognizing that this is a problem and that we're going to move forward from it you know i'm i'm a priest now for two years i'm 28 um you know i'm young and uh you know brother barnabas you're you know, 28, I'm going to say that even though I know you're not 30, bro. Thanks for reminding me, you know, but still you're 30 and you're going to be ordained a deacon here in a few months. And then a 31 be ordained a priest, hopefully, um, you know, God willing all that. But, um, I don't think that these kinds of reports should, um, I don't think it should cause that same fear. You know, in our episode a few weeks back, Vince, you and I chatted about, the whole idea that there's all this abuse in the church. So maybe I shouldn't just join the church. Maybe I should just leave the Catholic church. And I don't, uh, like I said then, and I'll say it again. Now uh, we don't leave Christ because of Judas and right. one bad person isn't going to be the reason why uh, we should all run from the church. So I think that there is hope. And I think that there is going to be, um, there is change, right? So we have seen change. We've seen change since 2000. We've seen change since uh, the 2010s when we had some other things pop up. And now we've, we're seeing change with the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report and now with the McCarrick Report. And so things aren't staying static in that sense. We are working as a community towards protection of all people. And... Mm-hmm. Um, this is another sad moment in our history, but it's not the end. It's not the end because we've had um, numerous bad actors in the church over the entire history of the church. And we've had bad actors in the Jewish faith since the beginning of the Jewish faith. And so there's bad actors all the way around. Um, But that doesn't mean that it is all for naught. And it doesn't mean that we should give up hope and run away. Hmm. Yeah, um, I feel compelled to say this right now, you know, for people that aren't aware of seminary dynamics, you know, um, that I have met many, many good men right now at present that are in seminary, uh, going through the process, right, moving toward ordination, and that everyone listening right now should be excited for uh, even the men now that are going to be coming into priesthood in the next, you know, couple years. and, you know, I, I really think I even want to give a, an invitation to any, uh, any guys listening to this um, that feel like, man, they might be called to the priesthood to, we need good men. And this is a good time to enter in and uh, help people realize that there's, uh, there's beautiful men laying down their lives for the church um, and redeem the you know, reputation of the priesthood. Um, and to encourage your sons and brothers and uh, the men in your life to consider a call to the priesthood. So I uh, really just want to kind of say that as well, as we were aware of all the issues that uh, there's like a hiddenness that's going on in seminaries of guys that are like chomping at the bit to uh, help redeem uh, the eyes of the priest and the people, the people's eyes. Yeah, I think our generation is is ready to fix the problems of the past. And I don't think that, um, you know, first off, I I remember when we had the issue of the Pennsylvania grand jury report, it came out the week after I got moved to my, my parish of now, so that I've been for two and 
two and a half years now. And um, I remember someone saying um, to me, oh, you're just a pedophile. It wasn't a prisoner. It was just some random person on the street. Like, oh, you're a pedophile because I was in my clerics. I said, if only you knew the truth, right? If only you knew the truth that uh, just a few months ago I was ordained and that first off, this has nothing to do with me, these guys in the past, insofar as I didn't do any of that. But what I have the power and what you, Brother Barnabas, and soon Father Barnabas will have is that we have a responsibility and an opportunity to show the world um, the changes that the church has made. Because it's it's not something that was going to be changed immediately. We knew that. And it's slowly being changed. And like you said, and I can say too, from the guys that were ahead of me at seminary to the guys that are be- were behind me and still are in formation that I know, um, you know, there are very good people, men in the seminary that are going to become some of the best parish priests in our dioceses and not just parish priests, but in the monastery and otherwise. And so um, I don't think that it's all for loss. I think that there is hope. It's going to be a different church and it's a good different church, but we need to be honest with ourselves and be ready for that difference and that change that's going to come about. Well, and I think it's in a, a good topic just to mention, uh, especially with uh, r- reminding of hope, because um, I had somebody recently tell me a great analogy. That I, I really love that um, you hear the trees that fall down in the forest, but you don't hear all the ones that are growing yeah. strong and sturdy. So there's a silent strength that is still there and has always been there. Um, it's good to remember that. I remember um, Father Mike Polnick, a good friend of mine, he, uh, he, he, he went to seminary when uh, Boston broke. And um, everybody was asking, why would you go into seminary? Why would you become a priest? And he goes, um, that story only makes me want to be a better priest. And, you know, those words echo in my heart. You know, I, I know priests who stop wearing their clerics when they go to the movies or when they, when they go to get groceries. And he uses his opportunity. I know priests who were spit on. I know priests who were, you know, attacked like, like you were verbally, Father Andy. And, um, you know, I think we have an opportunity to show people that priests are normal guys, are good guys, and uh, change that culture. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of good's going to eventually come out of this. Eventually, it's just going to take time. Healing takes time, and I think you have enough young guys now who are mad enough about this that they're going to make a change, and they're going to make, they're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. So, yeah. let's move. Let's move on from the McCarrick report, and let's go to something else big that happened this year. Um, back in October, Pope Francis uh, released. He published a new encyclical. Fratelli Tutti, uh, which pretty much uh, outlines how we should treat one another, basically, from a person-to-person standpoint and from how governments and nations uh, should go about their business. Now, a lot of this was controversial to to certain groups of people, um, and I, I we can touch upon that a little bit. I know some things on war and the death penalty, but there was a lot of really good stuff that came out of this. And uh, Jesse, you and I, we did. Uh, we have a notes, a Google Doc that we share uh, when we do these uh, episodes. And and Jesse filled in a lot of information here. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Jesse. If you kind of want to give us some highlights, um, and then we can we can go ahead and chat about it. Sure. I mean, I think Francis. First of all, Francis, his encyclicals are just a work of art. They really are. Um, in his. In his commentary, he talks about the selfishness of the culture um, that he sees, you know, and I, I like this because he, he he puts a mirror up to it. He says uh, there's a lack of care for the common good for all. And I, I kind of agree with him. This is something I've been praying about for a while is that we, we stop caring about the, 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 the common good that, you know, even here in America, the American dream is how much can I get for myself right now? And, you know, I, I, my wife and I, when we bought a house, I remember uh, every time we went up and saw a house, we said, how's the neighbors? And everybody's like, well, I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't know who they are. And my wife and I, we made a point to go knock on each neighbor's doors, every house that we were like interested in to see who the neighbors were. 
And I think, you know, that's that simple point right there. It just shows us that we're becoming a culture of, of individuals. And that's kind of dangerous. Um, and that's what, you know, Francis kind of hits on first is that we that's not going to profit the culture. That's not going to help the culture if we just become this selfishness. So uh, anybody want to jump in there and, and uh, kind of any thoughts on that? Jesse, that's actually, uh, I like that story you told. That's a great point. Um, I think maybe Pope Francis makes us kind of uncomfortable, you know? Sometimes we have to figure out what he's saying or interpret it or whatever. But overall, like, there's a level of unco uncomfortability with certain things that we have to say, well, gosh, or, you know, what are we, what are we about right now? And the neighbor example, um, I remember there's a speaker I listened to named Annie Hickman, right? And Annie Hickman, um, he, he's still a big, like, you know, very good at ministry or whatever. He was this big youth minister and he was traveling around the country, giving talks about, you know, how to do youth ministry and all this stuff. And uh, one day after mass, um, after Sunday mass, he's sitting at brunch with his family and, um, and his like five-year-old son said, Hey dad, can we go meet our neighbors? And his, that, and he was like, oh, what do you mean our neighbors? And the kid was like, well, teacher at CCD today said that Jesus said we should love our neighbors. So I figured we should go meet them. And he like realized he, he was like, well, she didn't mean like, and he sat there and he's like, wait a minute. No, that is like, <laughs> you mean my neighbor, neighbor, Jesus wants me to love my neighbor, neighbor, you know? And, um, it's just, uh, we're very aware now. I know people can get concerned with, you know, different political theories and all the rest, but at the same time, just a recognition that we're more connected to each other than ever. Um, especially now with COVID, we realize everything's digital and we're connected and we have an opportunity to um, realize one another's needs more than ever too. Right. I mean, Francis hits on that the death is isolation and comfort. We become so comfortable in the isolation that we forget about the person who's right next to us suffering. And he references, he keeps on referencing the Good Samaritan, um, you know, building, um, bridges of love to people, reaching out to people, feeling their pain, um, seeing that, that, you know, we don't have to go to uh, another country to, to be a missionary. And so this vision is, is something that uh, I think he, he, I agree with you, he makes us feel uncomfortable and makes us, uh, uh, challenges us basically hmm. to grow. So I think um, the, 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 as we continue on with the, um, he, he talks about this fraternity and uh, getting involved with other people to help people. And I think that perspective is important because oftentimes we think as individuals, well, maybe I'm really suffering here. Maybe I'm really going through something I can't overcome. But if we have a perspective that other people are suffering, other people are going through things, that kind of, we kind of help each other in that journey. I think he, he really hits a, a point there for us. So I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, I think the channel is called Breaking in the Habit, and it's a okay. Franciscan friar. Well, he's he's actually a priest, uh, but he's a Franciscan. And he he did this episode, I think it, I think it was a while ago, um, but it was on purity. And he said, we need to stop with just focusing on being pure because it's easy to, you know, to lock yourself in your room, just like we're trying to to do that with COVID to make sure that we don't get it when we were in the lockdowns um, and to not engage the world and to be, and yet be pure because we're not sinning, but it's another thing to become holy and get out there and get dirty and to help others and to really, to humble yourself and to, to bring other people to Christ, even correcting them whenever they're wrong and it might be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of this, uh, th this encyclical speaks to that of uh, get out of your comfort zone and meet people where they are and try to build bridges, try to find some common ground. We try, we put ourselves in camps a lot, all the time. And social media has just compounded that. I mean, we've always, humans have always been tribalistic for the most part and putting themselves in camps, but social media, I feel like it's just compounded up beyond belief. And it's, it's hard now to find somebody that you like on social media. If you disagree with them, it just seems to be like, it's constantly trying to make you, uh, more divided. 
Um, but I think if you just have a conversation with somebody and try to understand them, you realize that there's a lot more that you guys have in common than, than that you don't. And you may just disagree on a couple of little key topics that, um, that if you just, if you just talk, you realize that you're talking to another human and this is someone that, that God created and that we we're called to love them and we're called to evangelize them at the same time. That's the, that's the kindness that Francis is talking about. I think, you know, the cancel culture we have, it's, if you don't agree with me, you're dead to me. And uh, a lot of people do that on social media. I know um, it's, it's, it's really, really hard sometimes when someone keeps going and attacking and attacking. But Francis echoes that. He says, we have to be kind to each other. We have to find common traits. And oftentimes you're right, uh, Vince. It's, it's, a, it's one issue. It's one thing that we're, we're kind of debating. But we have to gather around the table of, of uh, truth and, and talk to one another, but also listen. Um, I don't think we're doing enough listening, especially when we get on social media. Uh, one of the things that's kind of controversial in the encyclical is uh, the idea of migration and being open to uh, people who are migrating to different countries because their home has been wrecked um, or because of war. And I know in our, in our country here, it's been a, a topic of uh, debate. Um, uh, being open to those, um, and you know, citizen rights. Uh, how how does migration? How does uh, uh, people coming into the country? How does that take away from the citizens who are here? So, do you guys have any thoughts on on that? I think we have the ability to handle a lot more immigrants than what certain political parties tell you that we can. Um, we have to recognize that the people that are coming here are coming here for a reason. And I always tell people that like, so I voted Republican most of my life. Um, I was a lot more, let's say conservative and hardcore before I came back to Catholicism. Um, and so like, I know, I understand the points that uh, a lot of people on the, on the right make, but at the same time, like what I, what I try to tell people now, or at least what I ask them is like, Put yourself in somebody's shoes that lives in a third world country or lives in a country that has um, drug cartels that run the town. And you say you have a, a son and a daughter and literally the only opportunities for them to have is your daughter enters the sex trade and your son becomes a cartel member just to make money and make ends meet. Like put yourself in their shoes and try to empathize with that and then tell me that. No, they're not allowed to come over or they have to go through the process, which can often take years. And by that time, it could be too late. So I, I recognize that nations need to have sovereign borders. But at the same time, we 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 have to make a change in in the way we I think we handle some of these. We can't just turn people away. Um, but I, at the same time, I recognize that. Okay, if you have everybody come in, then then it can create issues, uh, especially when it, when it comes to the cartels and criminals as well. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I I think uh, I think we should just get Chick Fil A on this because I've been very impressed during COVID how efficient they are at doing things, and uh, <laughs> I say that humorously only to say that like, man, uh, there's got to be some some way to do things efficiently to please you know, to please people that have concerns on every end of the spectrum because, sure. uh, yeah, it's important to, to hear out every kind of concern, especially with this stuff. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's something that's good just to keep talking about, say like, man, what are the needs? And it's especially like for me, when you, when you actually meet people that have been affected by stuff or whatever. And, uh, even learning like my sister, she's lived down in Texas for the past like two years, you know, so you get to get a perspective from people either way when they're actually living down at, around the border and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, like, once again, it's good to become uncomfortable mm -hmm. and say, all right, well, <laughs> there's a need. What do we do? It, it, it really challenges the way you think about the world. It, so whenever I, I used to work for an ambulance service in the city of Erie and for most people probably don't know that Erie is one of the largest or one of the um, um, the cities that takes the most refugees in the whole entire country. 
And we used to go to a lot of these houses that these refugees were put up in uh, by the, the, I don't know if it was the county or the federal government, whatever pays for their rent, uh, at least while they get on their feet. And there were, there were so many people with just these wonderful stories, like they're wonderful human beings. And when you ask them like, so like, why are you here? What happened? And they're telling you about civil war in their country and they had nothing left and their whole family was killed. And this is how they were able to, they were able to get here and they're just trying to raise their children. And usually they have most of the time, it seemed to be uh, a single mother and a bunch of small little children. And it's like, how would you not want them here? Um, how would you not want them to, to have the best and not have to live in this war war torn country? And it, it makes you sad and it makes you question your, your beliefs going into it of, you know, of, well, we're a sovereign nation and we can't let anybody in. Well, I, I think we can and we should to, to an extent, obviously. But if someone is in, in, in dire need, we should be lending a hand. And there's, there's more, you know, think of it as an analogy for your own house. You know, like, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a lock on their door. Just it's a natural human thing. At the same time, you know, uh, some of the best families I know are very hospitable and that, you know, gosh, let people come in and stay and all the rest. Um, but the worst situations when there's unrest in the house already, you know, <laughs> then bringing anybody in is just kind of chaotic. And, uh, you know, so many nuances with this conversation that I've had with people, or even like, you know, like we have to like learn how to treat people with dignity in general, you know, like we can't be paying people poor wages that, you know, if the of course, if you go from like nothing, you'll accept anything, but then that affects like other people who are, you know, Americans here that are all, all the rest. It's like a domino effect that if we learn to actually treat people with dignity all around, um, I think it'll help like in-house type stuff or we're in a better situation to see clearly of how to uh, help people that are knocking on the door. I, you're bringing up a good yeah. point. We should all be like Chick-fil-A, I think. Like your Chick-fil-A. previous <laughs> Funny he missed that because he like dropped the call for a second. But basically, Chick Fil A. If we just let them in charge of COVID, they'll fix it. Immigration, they'll fix it. Every you, you name it, they'll be efficiency king. Me too. Listen, I I I live off of Chick Fil A. It seems. I mean, every time I come up to Erie, I find a reason to stop on Peach Street and go to Chick Fil A um, because it's the only one nearby for me in in an hour's drive. You know, so. when I have a craving, it's always Sunday. Always. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the devil, you know? <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on here. Jesse, let's, let's talk about one more thing on Fratelli Tutti. Then we got to move on to uh, what we expect in the future of 2021. I, I think, you know, just, this is summarize everything here. Francis is, is telling us that these are people. Uh, it's not, it's not a political, you know, a party. Uh, when we're talking just war, we're talking the poor, or we're talking the death penalty, we're talking uh, immigration, we got to talk about people. And uh, that's the heart of it right there, is these people have souls. And uh, we got to start, you know, before I'm Republican, before I'm Democrat, before whatever, I'm Catholic. And I'm, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I think that's, that's an important issue here. Uh, oftentimes, we're replacing uh, faith with uh, political parties or political stances. And that's not, that's not what Francis is calling us to as a, as a church. Uh, we're, we're supposed to care about the individual, show that kindness, show that empathy, um, and listen to that person where they're coming from and really meet them and bring them towards Christ. So I think that's the, the whole summary of this uh, encyclical. Anybody have anything else that happened in 2020 that you want to bring up before we move on? Anything big, major? Yeah. Sisters got Wait, go ahead. You guys talked over each other. Oh, Barnabas, you go first. I just want to give street cred to both of my sisters. They both got married during this pandemic. Hardcore. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I had to quarantine after one of the weddings, but it was worth it. That's all. Okay, Andy. Father Andy. Okay. Uh, well, Vince, I don't know if you said this already. I don't think you did. Um, yeah, we celebrated a year on this crazy journey. We did. How cool is that? You kind of miss podcast. Yeah. I can't believe people actually are listening. I, then again, I'm not sure anybody is listening. I think they're just bots. That's that's what. Uh, I mean, at anal- this point, I, I feel like we've been talking into our computers for a year, and, and nobody's 
listening. How sad! I know there are there are some, but I just play the. I just hit record or play in my room and then leave. That way, you guys get hits or however it's recorded. So hey, we appreciate I figured that. Had been something like that. <laughs> Actually, how do you know how many people listen to a podcast or whatever? Uh, there's Subscribers. there's analytics. Uh, they give you report. iTunes will give you reports. Spotify gives you a report. Everybody, YouTube, Facebook, they all give you reports well, on your listenership. The worst part about um, iTunes is we still, after a year, have zero hits on their report because you have to have so many people listen for a certain amount of time before it actually starts showing up. I don't know. In the last few months, I haven't looked, but. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, iTunes. We're, we're a small podcast, but hey, we we do have a listenership. I know Spotify, I think, is our biggest. Uh, people listen yeah. most on Spotify. Last I checked, we had between 70 and 100 active subscribers, which is, hey, which is good for me. You know, I, I, I don't need, we don't need a million subscribers right away. We won't be able to handle that. Can you imagine all the, the uh, requests and inboxes we'd get oh, all the gosh. time? I, it would be a full-time job. Well, and you know, they're, they're looking ahead as well as this past year, I was talking about the fact that we were recording tonight, um, at dinner with my mother and father, cause I'm at their house recording this. Um, and, uh, cause I spend time up here, but the point is that my mother's talking about the fact she listens to the Catholic radio station on Sirius XM. Um, and it's just because one day I had put it on in her car and she just never turned it off. And um, now she's listening to people like Lino Rooley and Gus Lloyd and Father Dave Dwyer and all those crazy guys. And she said, boy, they say a lot of really dumb things. I bet you could really get on there with your podcast. (laughs) She said, no, you'd be better at it than them. Listen, sure, sure. This is what you guys need. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun with our order of things. This is what you need as you move forward in this podcast. Ready? This is a perfect time to transition to that because I think that's what Vince was going towards next. Okay, you need to get a soundboard. With ridiculous sounds on it? Sound effects and stuff? Oh, dude, it's a game changer. Like, you say something and then like, whoop, like a little funny, or like a clip of like... There, whoa. Do you have one? Oh, dude, if you, I guarantee you, you're... The people that will listen to this podcast will double by like next week if you start using that. You're gonna lose everybody. We're gonna lose. I'm just gonna say everybody. everybody's gone. They, they've already tuned out. Yeah, you need <laughs> and that's the end of the Encounter yeah. podcast, guys. After a year, this has been great. But at least you go out a bang, man. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna take that consideration, Brother Barnabas. So that was a that was a, a great idea and. I'm going to mute myself. That's a good idea. That's also <laughs> no, a good idea. <laughs> so with all that said, let's let's talk about some of the things we expect from the church in 2021. So I'll start out with, I think as the pandemic continues, more parishes. This is more of a, 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 a what I think the churches should do, not necessarily what I expect. And I expect a lot of them are going to fall in line with this. But as we continue with COVID, more parishes should invest more time and energy in connecting with parish, uh, parishioners outside of the Sunday obligation. Um, there's many, there are many people that are not going to return to mass. Um, and that I think was going to be expected. They were going to fall off eventually. I think COVID just kind of, um, accelerated that process. So parishes really should strive to be uh, a pillar in their local communities and also strive to be, to give a mystical experience of God to the parishioners. Um, and, and I know like St. Jude Parish, Jesse, uh, you and uh, Father John Dedish and Father Mike are doing a good job. And I know you're going to continue to do that. Uh, but there are so many other parishes that who I think still to this day, like don't even have live streams. And it's like, you guys, you really need to hop on board here. Yeah, even even uh, people who don't have Wi-Fi, one of the things we did is we put an AM transmitter. So if, you know... Uh, person who doesn't have a smartphone or something like that if if god forbid we get shut down again um they can come here and listen to mass and then we can bring communion out to them i think it's just putting many fishing lines out as many as you can to try to reach people um on every level um and i think that's that's the goal i also think we're going to see a lot more court decisions on religious liberties both in the u.s and around the world 
I mean, good and bad. I mean, so far, things have been good in the United States, at least with the lockdowns and with the Supreme Court decisions on that. But if you look in other countries, it, it in Europe, for example, it's not going as well. And now that we have uh, a new president coming in, um, there are some things that he's got on his docket that are going to um, are really going to challenge the court system, I think, when it comes to religious liberties. Right. And, and it's, you know, even barring all that, I think we need to find ways to, like you said, be pillars to local communities. You know, one of the things that me and Father Mike, we've been going down to the food pantry every week. And just being present and seeing, you know, seeing father in his collar and he's handing out food to everybody. I think those kind of opportunities showing people that we care about them, that we that we love them, um, are giving the opportunities that, for people to encounter Christ around. Good, good. And then lastly, I have here is the year of St. Joseph. Anyone want to talk to that? What does that even mean? Father Andy. I know you want to go. No, nose goes. Nose no, goes, no, no, know, nose goes. Here. Exactly. Nose goes. And that's, you're gone. No, 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 no. The one who goes last. <laughs> I no, honestly though, um, you read, I'm sure you read up more on it than I have. Cause I, you just mentioned it. Um, and I didn't get a chance to really read into it. Well, is, so I'm, yeah. Isn't there a more full title to it that Pope Francis has declared it? Somebody look up the title real quick of it officially. Cause I think it's a pretty sweet title. And, uh, well, maybe on second thought, the, I don't know if it's the official title or not, but I heard this, maybe somebody can clarify if there is a title, but I heard, uh, that Francis referred to it, uh, to St. Joseph with his titles, father and unnoticed worker. And oh. I think, that, um, perhaps this year of COVID stuff has really gone into, uh, you know, his mind about us looking to the simplicity of the unnoticed life. Everyone's like kind of at home away from the normal thing. So I'm interested in this. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a good point there. I mean, he's not quoted, but saying anything in the Bible and yet he was a protector and he raised Jesus, uh, well, and Mm -hmm. that's, that's seen in how, in, in, in that's seen in the gospel, but it's never said. I saw that Francis referred to as a beloved father, a tender, loving father, obedient father, uh-huh. accepting father, and then a working father, uh, a father in the shadows. I, I like that, those uh, analogies he brings up, uh, accepting father, a working father, an obedient father. Those are things that give us goals as, as dads. Um, it gives us uh, definitely a, a cool uh, perspective for this year. Yeah, uh, I'm curious to see what what comes out of it, what um, with what the church does, what the Vatican does, over the course of the next twelve months. So I guess we'll see. Well, I think I think there's like a plenary indulgence connected yeah. to praying to Saint Joseph, right? Yep, there's some indulgence. Have you guys had, a, had a podcast on indulgences at one point. We have. Yeah, I don't, we haven't. We haven't. Well, we might have touched upon it, but we haven't done a what is an indulgence and how do you get one, and is it a bad thing like. Yeah with the whole right. uh, Luther deal, but um, that's that's actually a great idea for a future podcast episode. Does anybody else have anything um, that they expect from the church in 2021 that you want to talk about? I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, that we, this year we'll get, um, oh my gosh, I had his name in my head right now, and now it's slipped. Um the former bishop of Rochester, New York, who's up for canonization. Fulton Sheen. Thank Fulton you. Sheen. Hopefully this year we'll actually see him get canonized. Whatever whatever legal battles are still going on, hopefully they get taken care of and we finally get to see him canonized because that would be great to have another American saint. What you know is pretty cool about the timing of that is he's getting canonized or he would be getting canonized and whatever during a time when like he was the originator of the priest recording himself talking. And now like every priest is doing that. Like it used to just be like, okay, there's like father Larry Richards, father Mike Smith's Bishop. Now it's like everybody is recording themselves talking. And Fulton, she was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. So that's my hope. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we can at least hope for it. I'm sure it'll happen soon. 
So uh, goals for the Encounter Mercy podcast over the next 12 months. So Soundboard. Sound, yeah. Okay, just a Breaking the fourth wall for our listeners, we, we had a bit of a crash no, twice now. I fell out of the conversation for a little bit, and then Vince's uh, setup crashed on us again, and this sadly seems to keep happening. So uh, we were joking. Well, Jesse said uh, it's kind of perfect being that um, uh, uh, Joseph doesn't talk. He's, you know, he's the silent person. And, and this is the kind of the way that it ends is that it just is a silent exit for the episode because we just kept crashing. But maybe it is a time to get a soundboard that won't cause that to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know if it's a soundboard or not. This is a good one. I'm not, I'm, it's pretty new, so I don't know. But soundboard, I, does anybody have a better idea than that? I doubt it, but go ahead. <laughs> see brother barnabas knows he just he's knows. smart you know yeah he just knows he's got to be our creative lead from now on from now on you're now the director yeah. of marketing so <laughs> so i think uh over the uh, i have two goals really one of them is to find new ways for evangelization outside of just the podcast the 30 minutes the hour that we do every week i'd like to do more as encounter mercy i don't know what that is we started a blog, kind of. Um, I, I want to do some more. Like, I want to do some like actual physical outreach. Um, I want to maybe include some more uh, multimedia type things, such as video and a video aspect to the podcast. I know we mentioned last year that uh, we were going to do that, and we started it, but then COVID hit, and we had to do everything remotely. And everyone's got a different setup with different audio and video qualities, and it just yeah. wasn't jiving. No one wants to watch us in our pajamas with a webcam. Um, Thank you. You know, it's the fact I'm sitting here in my parents' bedroom, in my bedroom at my parents' house. <laughs> so, so maybe over the course of the next year, we can get everyone kind of set up with a standardized setup uh, that doesn't cost too much. Because again, we make no money off of this. We've said this a thousand times, and we don't. Or are we looking to. to make money? So yeah. please don't send us money. We'll not get a tax exempt little certificate. No. I can't do that. Um, but I look back on what the, what we were talking about a year ago, father Andy, and it was get more guests on and, yeah. and we've done that. Um, you know, now I we think just now, out of my sheer laziness, it could be, but it doesn't matter. They all <laughs> brought good things to the table. Now we have a whole yeah. panel of people that come on on a regular basis. And I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it because there's a lot more viewpoints and a lot more experiences that we can talk to than just us opining. Yeah. And Barnabas, you always have um, really good points because I'm not just trying to like, you know, boost your ego, but honestly, you, you say things that I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you said it because I could never put words to that thought. And yet it's so uh, thought provoking. So right. it allows us to take a day off. I mean, um, not, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, those, those are my goals. What about you, Father Andy? You got any goals? Um, let's see if we can, you know, when we took some weeks off this year is because we forgot to record. So let's see if we can get all 52 weeks recorded this year. Yeah, let's do that. No downtime. What about you guys? New additions. I think, uh, you know, just telling your story. I, I want to help you guys tell your story. Uh, my cousin Gabriella, she started listening from Montreal. And uh, she says, I, I go to bed, I just turn it on, and I really enjoy it. I think so many people are hungry for just are you say, Wait, hold on, hold on. Are you saying it puts her to sleep? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I'm laughing at. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Gabriella. <laughs> we should do an ASMR video where it's just very seductive and very easy to fall asleep to. But, you know, got to get close to the microphone and sound very, very Hello and welcome to Encounter Mercy's News Edition. Let's pray together, our Father who art in heaven. Yeah, we got to do it more like, you know. Oh, yeah. See, I told you. I think you guys do a great job of of teaching catechesis. People are hungry for catechesis. And, you know, I'm not always getting it from the pulpit. And uh, I think that message is important and it will help strengthen people if we just let people know that we're here. So, 
Yeah, I think this is like an, a, um, an extension of the pulpit because there's certain, you know, we can talk about topics in um, an easier way, I think, this way on a podcast that we could I could bring up in my homilies, but it doesn't work the same when it's just me standing up there talking, especially because, you know, I don't think anybody wants to sit and listen to a homily for an hour. I, I mean, there are people that want that, Father John Mary, but I, I'm not going to be the one that does that because I can only do... I get bored listening to myself talk after three minutes. So if my homily goes over three minutes, people know that it's written down. And it's not really me. Um, so it, that's kind of where I feel like this podcast is an opportunity, not just for myself, but for all of us um, to use as a platform to be able to continue to teach the faith and uh, do it in a way where it's a conversation instead of a lecture. We should come up with a series called Behind the Pulpit instead of Behind the Scenes. <laughs> all right who's gonna follow me around with a camera or someone around well i'd rather see i'd rather see uh you go down to saint vincent's once it opens up and follow brother barnabas for a day like uh, that would be yeah. i always thought it would be cool to have a video following one of the better seminarians and i would have never qualified for this but following one of the better seminarians around for a day and see like what their day was you know what i'll bet you we'll find out so before we hit yeah. record um brother barnabas and i were talking about who hates video games the most I guarantee oh, yeah. if I follow him around for 24 hours, that's probably all he does is play video games. That <laughs> <laughs> would just be like, it would just be me falling asleep everywhere. You'd be like, oh, Brother Barnabas is sleeping in class. Brother Barnabas is sleeping in choir. Brother Barnabas is sleeping on a random bench outside. I just fall asleep everywhere. You know, my favorite priest um, from, well, one of my favorite priests, because there's just so many down there. One of my favorite priests from the Benedictine community is my spiritual director, Father Tom Acklin. And I feel like, I feel like that's what Father Tom does. Because I used to walk into chapel and, and Father Tom was sleeping in chapel. Or I'd be walking outside on a really nice day and Father Tom was taking a nap under the tree in the, but that <laughs> man, he's fighting like so many spiritual battles all day long. Like he deserves a good rest every so often. So... That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the life of a monk. When you sleep, you don't sin. When you don't <laughs> sin, you go, go to heaven. So this is my way to heaven. Man, maybe I should have become a monk. Yes. I would just sleep all day long. Oh, that's great. <laughs> all right. I think with with that said, uh, we're going to end this before it gets uh, even more down any rabbit holes than uh, that we should be going down. So uh, we, th we thank you all for listening to our new year's episode. Um, we hope that 2021 is a better year than 2020. And uh, we hope that you continue to listen and maybe your new year's re uh, resolution should be to share the podcast with somebody who you think would be interested in it. And we also ask for your prayers uh, that we may grow and always teach what is true to the Catholic faith. So if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way our episodes uh, will be delivered to you every week and you won't have to search for us. Uh, head on over to EncounterMercy.com where you can find out a little bit more about us and uh, follow us on social media, just about all the social media channels. Uh, we're starting to do a better job of posting on there. And, Not uh, TikTok, no. Not TikTok, but TikTok, but no. if you look out for St. Jude, uh, the Apostle Parish in Erie, Pennsylvania, I'm sure you'll see some TikTok videos. I can't wait to see Father Dedish uh, dancing and singing along. <laughs> okay, like I said, we have to end this because this is just going to devolve into something uh, terrible. So uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.